Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Last night when I got home from your house, I... Went into the bathroom and flipped the light on and looked up and there was a huge spider. <gasps> oh. And I stayed calm and I went and saw that the Gucci shoebox was sitting out because I'd been cleaning out my closet. And I took it and I opened it and I caught the spider in the shoebox. The chicest capturing of a spider. That spider's Truly, living in luxury, that spider's, Mama. that spider's casket is a Gucci shoebox. <laughs> that spider's like, hey, welcome to my crib. <laughs> Rose, I, I, per your recommendation, have been blasting Kelly Clarkson's Christmas albums um, out the wazoo. It's really putting me in the in the Christmas spirit here. Don't you feel all Christmassy right now? Uh, Christmas isn't canceled, just you. Just you. you. Oh. Um, we are so lucky to be uh, carrying that Christmas spirit forward with a little episode on Last Holiday with none other than Ira Madison III, co-host of the Keep It podcast, scorned Twitter user, famous for being banned from Twitter. This this movie really is in our Christmas canon, I would say. Absolutely. It, it is one of the few movies I must watch every holiday season. And we are going to break it down for you as to why it should be in your Christmas canon. Get get ready to do a glow up and make sure you have some snacks handy. Oh yeah, um, a, fr- a big French feast. Y- yeah, we. Oui. Oui. Um, are you happy to be in Paris? Are you happy to be in Paris? We. Oui. Are you happy to be in Prague? <laughs> this is like a version. The show where we give yesterday's pop culture today's takes. <laughs> I'm Rose Darmio. And I am Fran Tirado. And b- before we get to Iron Madison, uh, toi, uh, <laughs> let's 
talk about what's going on in pop culture today. <laughs> what is that French accent? That was so my good. my, my <laughs> high school French teacher, who was a bitch, would be so mad. It's the most wonderful time. Of the year. Don't you agree, Fran? I do. I mean, my body is is a little broken from spending maybe too much time at Universal Studios last Friday, but you know, I'm I definitely <laughs> tis t- t- the damn season. Are you still sore? My my shoulders still hurt a little bit from the four times that we rode the mummy. Oh my god. I mean, my voice is still recovering. You can kind of hear it. Well, we turned into woo girls <laughs> for a day. And like and, and honestly. Like, yeah, it wasn't just on the yeah. rides. It was just kind of like we were the hype girls of Universal Studios. It was, Hollywood. it was, re- we really, us and our skims, <laughs> our skims and our like cunty sunglasses. We looked like dementors <laughs> walking around Hogsmeade. We went with our friend Ash, and I will say that one of my favorite moments from the day was at the end of the day, you know, exhausted. We're trying to figure out like what to do with our time and. We saw this like caricature artist that was like drawing this couple and we were like, oh my God, should we do that? That would be so fun. Or like one of y'all said that actually. It was, it was Ash. Ash. And I immediately was like, uh, no, I'm not doing that. It'll send my dysphoria out the wazoo. And then <laughs> Rose was like, oh my God. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. And then Ash was like, oh yeah, me too. Like It was, <laughs> <laughs> it was like, it was a, it was a dysphoria domino yeah. effect where we all were like, oh wait, that's, um, that's really taking a risk on being perceived. Yeah, yeah it really is. Like, it I was... don't need him drawing me on a skateboard or something. Um, what was your favorite part about Universal, Rose? Besides the warm butter beer served at Three Broomsticks. I actually enjoyed the studio tour. So Even fun. though I think, like, it's kind of lame in that it's not really a ride, but it was, like, a nice little sojourn around the park with some exciting moments. Definitely one of my favorite parts of the day. I was not expecting And at that point in the day, we definitely needed to sit for yeah. a while. Very brave of us, honestly, to spend the whole day riding roller coasters after the emotional roller coaster that was the Sex and the City reboot. And just like that, let me tell you. So, you know, as you all know, last week we talked in depth about Sex and the City and, you know, we had a lot of questions, um, as Carrie Bradshaw often does, about and just like that and what it would be. And now we have some answers. We've seen did. the first two episodes. We found out what the tea is with Samantha. She's in London and um, had a falling out with Carrie because Carrie fired her as her publicist, yeah. which I'm going to call bullshit on. That is the laziest writing. After everything they went through together, that is not how their friendship would end. And like the idea that Samantha Jones yeah. needs Carrie's bullshit little column it money for her no business. Way. Like, there's no, no way. I, She's got bigger fish to fry, baby. I don't actually need a reason to know why Samantha, like, cut them off. Like, there's a whole six seasons of toxicity in all of their relationships that, like, we bear witness to. And to me, like... It would be even more real to say, you know, we lost touch and I don't know why. Like, that's even more painful to me. Like, and also more realistic. Like, you lose friends and sometimes you don't know why. And and it sucks. And, like, you know, I, I totally agree with you. I think that, like, it was just, it didn't really hit 
at all. And I also will say, like, when Carrie says, like, I thought we would be friends forever, like, that line did, like, hit me really hard. And in the first five minutes, too, I was like, whoa, like, they really are going in when you kind of thought that, especially after all the hype of this reboot, that there would be more things that they would try to avoid because it's awkward and because there's all this drama and tea around it. The the real awkwardness of the reboot for me is the ham-fisted wokeness of yeah. it. They're just going so hard with overcorrecting how problematic Sex and the City was. And, like, it is brutal. Every scene with Sara Ramirez, a.k.a. Che Diaz, doing their podcast is just, like, it's like a caricature. And I did feel called out when... Carrie said, oh, I have to go record a podcast. It's like doing jury duty. Um, that felt very Yeah, that was really funny. <laughs> at, at us One of the jokes that made me lol. Yes. There were like three jokes that I laughed out loud at, and that was one of them. But the wokeness, it's, you know, the thing is, I just don't think Sex and the City works in the framework of like apologizing for the things it said. Honestly, I kind of wish that they were just making the same show. Yeah. And, like, correcting in subtle ways rather than trying to, like, actively apologize. Uh, because it felt like, I was like, is everyone non-binary yeah. on this show? I think that, well, I want to get to that. I will say, like, first of all, you're totally right. Like, leave the word woke out of your scripts. And also, like, queer people don't talk yeah, like don't. that. And that's the thing that's really disappointing is that there are no Latin or non-binary writers in the And Just Like That room. Like, I went into this and researched and like what we're seeing is like a product of Michael Patrick King's imagination of what he thinks a Latin non-binary person is. And I I say this like lovingly, like I I love sex in the city and I want it to be better. Like, but that is exactly what it looks like on screen is it's not a real person. Yeah. Cause that's why you have moments like Che whose whole story, whose whole character we've seen so far is like them being like this non-binary stand-up comic yeah. rebel telling Carrie to step her pussy yeah. up. I was like, like that's they would just never say that. A- applying like drag terminology to this like non-binary yeah, stand-up comic. Exactly. Like it's just taking taking someone who's so out of touch with real queer people, like taking their idea of what th- the entirety of queerness is like and funneling it into one character. Yeah, it's just and it perfectly work. cast though. Like Sada is great. Like, but yes. even though everything they have to say is doing, doing, doing as much as they can with the material. Yeah. To do. I mean, you know, they're not in their thirties anymore. Like it can't necessarily be the show that it used to be. I think that the strengths, a lot of the strengths of what we watched are those moments of nostalgia, right? Like uh, Susan Sharon coming in or like them. Susan oh, Sharon, so legend icon star. <sighs> Susan Sharon should be in the main cast. <laughs> she should be the fourth girl. But yeah, maybe I'm not shocked to see that like the majority of the sentiment around the show, at least on my timeline, was really negative. Do I think it was perfectly executed? Like, no. But like adapting to woke culture, like fumbling through a podcast, being a mother, experiencing grief, like those are the problems of like women in their 50s. And so coming away from it, I was like kind of thinking about the impact of nostalgia and like how it shapes the way we watch, you know, cultural objects like this and their reboots. Like Miranda kind of has always been awkward, right? Like that's just how she's always been. But like 
what has changed between, you know, the show ending and where we are at now is that Miranda became a meme queen. Everyone sees themselves in Miranda. Everyone says Miranda's their favorite character. There's a book called We Should All Be Mirandas, right? And so when we see, like, our our meme hero failing, when she's not adapting to the culture that we have already think she's a part of, like, it feels kind of, like, tainted. And I don't know. What did you think about the Miranda of it all? It didn't ring true to me just because, like, yes, Miranda's awkward, but I think Miranda was always, in a way, like, the most street smart of them. I mean, you know, she had some fumbles. Like, there's an episode early on in the series when her boss assumes she's a lesbian, so she takes um, a woman with her to the comedy baseball game and then to a party (laughs) and, like, tries to make it work. But I think, like, because of that, like, and because of the fact that these women live in New York City and have for decades, like, they're acting like these are their first experiences with black women, with queer people. And, like, that, to me, either signifies that, like, it's bad writing or that, like, in the world of the show, these women have truly just been so siloed by their own privilege that... I guess they are having some kind of, like, reckoning. I think Um, some of that, yeah. Uh, Speaking of heterosexual characters making bad decisions, uh, I did finally watch 12 Dates of Christmas, the second season, for you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I feel really seen and held by you. I I love that um, you basically forced me to watch it and when we we discussed it you know the other night when we were hanging out and you didn't remember any of the things that i was trying to tell you (laughs) no no i didn't remember any of the people it's really what i wanted was for you to experience was the vibes and the experience let's set it up for everyone what the show is about so 12 dates of christmas is a show it's a reality show that's sort of like trying to replicate what happens in a holiday rom-com. Mm. So there are three leads. Um, and in this iteration, there was one straight guy and two queer people, a queer woman and a, and a queer man. Um, and they are staying at this beautiful um, ski lodge during Christmas. I'm saying that in air quotes because it was obviously shot in like March, July. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And they have a series of romantic interests who show up at the lodge in sometimes unexpected ways and attempt to woo them as they go on 12 dates, all leading up to choosing someone to take home with them for Christmas, which, again, is obviously, like, shot in <laughs> August, and they and they put, like, a wreath on their dad's front door. Um, and then this season, the the, like, secondary twist was that after they took their love interest home for Christmas. They would then spend New Year's with them in New York City at the top of the Empire State Building. So it's it's like The Bachelor meets the bisexual season of Are oh, You yeah. the One through the lens of Love Actually. I wish it had had more of like the queer messiness of Are You the One because Hina, who's this like non-binary character that kind of, you know, gets far in the competition, is like very important for like non-binary villain representation as they are like kind of the person that really throws a lot of like kind of conflicts into the arena, but not enough conflict in my opinion. Yeah, but I, I thought like it, it was a good example of why there should be more queer led dating shows because like of the inherent mess of your pool yeah. of love interests all potentially being attracted to each yeah. other. And like we saw in 12 Dates of Christmas, two of the 
two of the gay love interests like hooked mm. up and ended up like saying I love you to so each other stupid. after I'm guessing Three it was days. like a couple yeah, days. Hours. Um and then leaving together. Um oh, Hina, as we previously mentioned, like hooked up with the the lesbian who went home yeah. first. Um Hina is um Hina's pretty big on lesbian oh, TikTok. Really? Have you ever seen their TikToks? Yeah, they're they're really Holy funny. Holy shit, I didn't know that. I'm gonna have to tune in. Um, other takeaways is that like just the just the 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 awe-inspiring quality of like heterosexual dating. Like the the heterosexual lead is like the most basic and like indecisive and boring person on the planet. And like he truly is is like every episode is the most attracted to the newest yeah, exactly. woman because it's like oh shiny new thing for me to stick and my every dick time in. in the confessionals that they like they be like he talks about who the new girl is he'll be like yeah you know a lot of qualities stick out to me you know she's attractive uh she's the right height uh she's gorgeous she's beautiful and it's like, <laughs> it's like she, every single time it's just like yeah he kept talking about their height which I thought was so bizarre mm. and also like the gay guy honest. He was he was hot he was, though. He was hot. He was hot. I mean, I liked his little, little like gray in um, his hair. There was all, uh, other like painful moments in these first dates. Uh, there was like a moment where this girl's trying to like talk about herself or her personality. She's like, oh, "Well, I I'm a big Harry Potter fan." <laughs> it's like if you were on a first date, like that is actually going to be the least interesting thing yeah. about you. No, just <laughs> come to Universal Studios <laughs> yeah, with us, Yeah, there babes. was another moment where that the heterosexual guy was like, yeah, you know, our relationship is, like, so amazing. Like, we're like Jim and Pam. And I'm like, oh, oh my God. Oh, <laughs> oh, Anyways, oh. thank you for making me watch it. I, I did enjoy it. Thank you for watching. I'm, I'm truly blessed to have you in my life and um, feel supported by you, especially after the last couple of days, I've been a little sad after hearing that Anne Rice died. It was announced by her son on on social media that Anne had passed away at the age of, I believe, eighty one. But we all know that she was three hundred and seventy two. <laughs> yes, um, I I don't know what your relationship to Anne Rice is, but I love Anne Rice. Like, around the time that I started watching Buffy, I, like, read a couple Anne Rice novels, obviously loved the movie Interview with the Vampire, the Queen of the Damned when it came out was huge for me. I guess, like, I might have even stuck around longer in the Anne Rice fandom mm-hmm. if it was allowed, because Anne Rice was famously extremely anti-fan fiction. Oh, I didn't know that. And would, in fact, like, send her lawyers to sue people who wrote Vampire <laughs> Chronicles fan fiction. But she also wrote very, like, explicitly queer characters. Mm. Like, at a time when that was not a thing you were supposed to do. Like, Lestat and Louis in Interview the Vampire just were gay. They were gays who adopted Kirsten Dunst. And there, there was something circling Twitter about Anne Rice talking about trans people yeah. and how, like, Trans people are sacred and have, like, existed in every culture. And so, like, yes, while I may not have agreed with Anne Rice's views on fan fiction, I do, um, you know, like, celebrate her and everything she contributed. I think, like, the modern preoccupation with vampires, like, was started by her. And, like, you do not have Twilight without Anne Rice. And for that, we lift her up in celebration.
Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. Is getting to to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. On Purpose's mission is to create impactful conversations to help you become happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. You'll be laughing, crying, and have so many impactful takeaways after this interview. I had this, like, you know, homie lover friend for a long time. He's very disrespectful to me, very kind of messed up to me. But in my mind, we could get married. We had the most beautiful babies. He handsome. I'm pretty. Like, it would be so cool. He's smart and intellectual. I'm kind of smart, I think. Like, it would be fun. We have the best conversations. Like, we have fun. But then he would treat me like crap. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hey there, I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything. A moment that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these very moments. The last couple of years has been the hardest season of our marriage for sure. I'm surprised our marriage survived it. I think we both are. I think we both were barely holding on. Mm. Nothing compares to how hard this is. Their stories are full of candor, awe, and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. True behavior change is really identity change. Every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. Listen to A Slight Change of Plans on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ira, what are your, what's your favorite 
part about the holidays? My favorite part about the holidays is is traveling. Okay, mm. like I okay. once I like got my first real job and was able to, I just like, became a holiday traveler, jet setter. Yeah, because well, my grandmother's birthday is December fourteenth, and my niece's birthday is the same day, so I visit home then. Okay, between Thanksgiving, between Christmas. Oh, that's super smart. And then smart. I just Christmas. I'm just like gone. Gone. You are um, uh, International Smile, the song by <laughs> Katy Perry. That girl's the a trip. trip. <laughs> a bop. You've spent, like, you've been to, like, for, for the holidays, sometimes you go to, like, Paris, or where else do you go? I, uh, I went, right before the pandemic, my last Christmas, I went to um, Hobosh, the island of Mexico. Oh. Yeah. Love. Okay. I just love being, you know, that, like, I've always aspired to be that um, that aunt um, who, you know, always travels during the holidays and yes. then shows up with, like, presents. It's like, hi, I never see any of you. <laughs> and you're Here's wearing... a gift. <laughs> okay. now, I'm, now I'm about to get on a plane. Yeah, <laughs> big, big aunt energy. I love that. I, I newly became an aunt almost a year ago, and I'm, try- I'm trying to, to manifest or tranifest that same, <laughs> yes. that same wealthy aunt energy. So you need to buy more caftans. Yeah, well, I also, glasses. for me, it's really about um, the opportunity to turn my nephew against my brother and his wife Absolutely. and make him hate everything that oh, they yeah. love. Yeah, that's what it's I'm all about. I'm my niece's favorite. Ah, really? As you just, should be. And listen, you just gotta like, it's just a random day when you're feeling it, just like, hit her cash out with some money. <laughs> so you buy just, her affection. <laughs> I just like, I blessed, I blessed the cash app like the other day. <gasps> wow. I mean, just imagine like, be, like having you as your uncle. Yeah. That's so fucking cool. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Well, um, speaking of traveling, uh, the, the setting for this uh, movie that we're about to discuss is Prague, question mark? Yeah. Have y'all been to Prague? <laughs> I have not. <laughs> and I'm really mad because a friend of mine um, just went in October and um, I couldn't go because I was working. But oh my god! I do like an in an Eastern European moment. I've been to Budapest, right? Okay. Um, so like, I like I, that I you said Budapest. Budapest. One of those people who's like Budapest. <laughs> it's it's a really hard sh- when people do it because like they're act, really trying react. to sh- they're really trying to show you that they are international Culture. smile. Yeah. Culture, yeah. yeah. Um, to <laughs> Serving very dirty. New York City. <laughs> Um, yeah, but I know never been to Prague, but I would love to go. But but like I think only if I stay in the kind of hotel that Queen Lativa stays in. Yes, you got to stay in basically a castle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> truly. Uh, I don't know if you know this, Rose, but unfortunately, I have been to Prague before when I was like in like freshman or sophomore year. No, 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 no. I think it was in seventh or eighth grade on a missions trip with my Oh, I just took another sip of this Diet Coke and it's... I want to kill myself. Um, Please continue. That doesn't count. That don't count. No, it doesn't. But I was teaching Czech teens about Christ, our Savior. Did you by any chance find out that you were going to die um, from a brain disease right before you went? No, I didn't. But the Czech teens that I was teaching the Bible to were very hot. And I remember, mm. like, being like, these are some, like, we were, we were both teens. I was, like, teens teaching mm. teens about Jesus. And you were a bit of a Czech hunter. Yeah, if you <laughs> will. <laughs> <laughs> no! Ah! <laughs> 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 
I'm Anyways. leaving. So for those who have... <laughs> So for those who have never seen Last Holiday before, the conceit generally is that uh, Queen Latifah finds out that she has a terminal illness. She has, what, three, four weeks to live? Because she, fu- okay, because she slips and hits her head while working in the department store that she works in, which has a hospital in it mm-hmm. where Question she gets mark. a CAT scan. Yeah, it literally has a hospital in. Which, you know, every time I go to Bloomingdale's, I'm like, you know what, <laughs> let me get a CAT scan while yeah. I'm here. Yeah, My I, insurance covers it. So. I feel like it was. You you half believe it because like growing up there, I always got like my eye exams and things done oh, at like yeah. the, at like the mall, Sam's Club. Um, but definitely not a hospital. I <laughs> did not question it as a teenager no, when never. I saw it at all. I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So she embarks on this journey to Prague. It's because like she her decides she's going to spend all of her money mm-hmm. that she's her been 401k. saving um, because she has like a recipe book. Right. Right? And she's, like, saving it. Her possibilities. Yes, her possibilities. possibilities. (laughs) It's very, very sad. Um, But what's amazing is that she cashes her 401k, and they're like, oh, how are you going to spend it? She's like, I'm just going to blow it all. And I also have to say that when I was, like, extremely broke and had first moved to New York City... After my first publishing job, I ran out of money, and I did cash my 401k at, like, the age of, like, 23, 24. But it was for savings. I had one once. (laughs) <laughs> at some point when you had a job I look I had a 401k when I was at BuzzFeed where is it where Who knows? It, it's probably I in your my emails <laughs> my uh, my dad cashed in his 401k and bought a house in Costa Rica um, mm. that I once spent a summer in and it it was a bad decision on his part <laughs> I think <laughs> Um, he has since sold the house and gone back to work. Mm, mm. It is a really beautiful depiction of, I guess, like, kind of that wish fulfillment trope in, like, films of, like, what would you do if you, like, all of a sudden had all this money to spend in three or four weeks or whatever. Like, to, and three or four weeks to live. Yeah, yeah. As well. I don't know. What would you do if you found out you only you had less than a month to live and had a bunch of money to spend? What would you do? Well, I would immediately take up smoking. Again, cigarettes because I, I miss it and if I knew I was going to die anyways mm. you know definitely I would definitely go on a European vacation oh, probably yeah. um, I don't know where would you where, where would be the first stop mm. I mean I'd have to see Paris one more time yeah mm. of course I, I would probably go to New York I'd probably be boring and go on like a vendor and see a bunch of shows I'm in New York all the friends. damn time <laughs> I would buy a bunch of heroin and <laughs> Like, just mm. do it. What? Yeah. That would be the thing you would do? Yeah. <laughs> Out of Have all you ever the done things... heroin? <laughs> <laughs> Out of all the things you could do, you're like, heroin. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Got it. Got it. Got mm. it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Um, by the way, when she goes to Europe in this film, um, I want to point out another thing that is as ridiculous as a CAT scan being in a um, department store. She is in coach, and she's like, why is this person keep leaning back against me? Like, I don't have any room. And then they're like, well, that's because you didn't spend the money on first class. And she's like, how much is it? And then it cuts to her, like, in first class with, like, lots or, like, the champagne or whatever. And I'm like... Baby, there is no way you could just like give them some cash and upgrade the first class. <laughs> yeah, did she? Did she Venmo the flight attendant? That's a lot of dollar bills. <laughs> She's like Delta. Uh, <laughs> how do I do this? Does it work like that? And it's usually booked. Yeah. 
Did it used to be like that? No. No. Like, no. it was never, it was never that easy. No. But, I mean, her in first class is a moment. As well as her um, sitting down at, like, the fancy French restaurant. Mm-hmm. Is it French? It's a French. Yeah, it's a French restaurant. That she, uh, in the, Prague. The chef that she's always, and she said, I'll take one of everything. Well, yes. this, this is because also she's a foodie and right. loves cooking. Foodie! Um, she, this is, I think, uh, uh, this was during, like, Food Network the pinnacle of Food Network, right. and Emerald was on TV, and so her possibilities book is all, like, recipes Bam. that she... <laughs> Bam! Bam! And if it she, was in the modern day, she'd be, like, on, you know, like, Tasty's Instagram or something yeah, like she, that. Yeah, she, like, cooks all these amazing dishes and gives them to her neighbor and then mm-hmm. eats lean cuisine. Um, does that... Did anyone eat lean cuisines? You know what? A thing? I did. I remember... Those Swedish meatballs from Lean Cuisine hit. <laughs> oh my they god, hit! So you've recently really? visited? They hit. No, I'm just remembering it from like when I was broke in New York. Yeah. Like, I the guess Swedish I have. Meatballs hit. I have some Swedish meatball trauma because of mm. IKEA. IKEA. Oh. Don't get me started. The, the era where everyone was like, "Let's go to IKEA for the meatballs." Right. They weren't that damn good. No, no, and like they were acting like they were. It like that was culinary masterpiece. Like Queen Latifah cooked it and gave it to her neighbor. So so Queen Latifah, um, she goes to the Grand Poop Hotel, mm-hmm. the Grand Poop, and she um, like makes her way into this group of rich people. One of them is the guy who owns the department store that she used to work at. The CEO or something. And she's just doing all these, like, amazing things. She goes base jumping. Mm. Oh, oh, we also forgot Queen Latifah's love interest in this movie is LL Cool J, Mm. who looks so good in the movie. I miss miss LL in a movie. Yeah. Like, get get him off the Kangol hat. Take him out of... Whatever NCIS city he's in, everybody's in a damn NCIS show. Yeah. Or or CSI. Which one is the one with the goth girl who's like the forensics oh, expert? Yes, the uh Polly Perrette, right? I think uh, so. Yeah, she I think, I think she it's le- NCIS, yeah. maybe. I think she left. Uh she had a stalker and it was a wild story. Oh my god. Um I love when a celebrity has a stalker. Uh, not <laughs> for their too. safety, but stalkers in, in general just, like, amuse me. They do. Because uh, everyone seems like a stalker these days. If you had to stalk, if you were to stalk someone who If you see be? someone's tweets, it's just like, oh, you're stalking me. Yeah. You know? Like, <laughs> yeah. if, like, if Laura Dern saw, like, any gay tweets about her, she's like, oh, stalker <laughs> behavior. But the stalker takes it to the next level of, I'm outside your house. Yeah. Uh, right, right. If I had to stalk anybody. Yeah, who would it be? Mm. I don't know what my answer would be, actually. I know. Because it's like... That sounds like a lot of effort. It to does. St- to stalk someone. If if you had a stalker, would you be secretly kind of into it? Oh, absolutely. I'd be obsessed. And I'd pretend to hate it. It'd be like very Jenna Maroney from 30 Rock, being yeah. having like a relationship with her stalker. That would be me. I'd just be like showing up to places with my friends like... Guys. <laughs> Sunglasses I on. I... Babushka. Guys, I'm so sorry. I, I think I was being followed. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. I had to get a gun this week. Security. <laughs> so Queen Latifah is doing all of these amazing activities, and it turns out at the end, 
she's not actually dying mm. because the CAT scan of the department store was faulty. Right. Which makes sense. Don't get a CAT scan at your local department store. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't even it doesn't even seem like um, a Nordstrom kind of department store. It no. seems like Sears level, yeah, maybe. Yeah, Sears. Or yeah. Kohl's. It's Kohl's. It's Kohl's. It's Kohl's. Yeah. Yeah. Kohl's has become a through line of this podcast. Yeah, Did yeah. you spend a lot of time at Kohl's yeah. as, a, as a youth? Oh, yeah. Mm. I, all of my outfits were from Kohl's. It was my favorite place to shop as a child. Kohl's was the spot. You could it's, get giant went back to school. Yeah. You could get never, jeans for on sale. I've never been inside a Kohl's. Oh, wow. Wow. Mm. wow. Well, we went to Sears, I think. Where are you from again? I'm from Florida. Oh, hey. Yeah. I'm from Milwaukee. And like, Kohl's, yeah, I thought Kohl's, Kohl's was very Midwest culture. How much you Kohl's went, cash do you have? Too much. Kohl's I could last holiday at Kohl's. <laughs> <laughs> but I won't. <laughs> but you could. Yes, yes. Uh, I worked at a department store once. Wait, really? I worked at Macy's. No way. What did you do? I worked in the women's shoe department. Of course you <laughs> Wait, I also worked at a department store. I worked at Bloomingdale's and worked in the men's shoe department. Okay. Oh, no. But I worked at the Bloomingdale's in Soho mm. um, for six months, and then... On New Year's Day, I had done a bunch of ecstasy the night before, and I was on the floor and was, like, the most hungover I've ever been, and I just looked around and said, I don't want to do this anymore, and walked out. You mm. walked out Kind of, of like Queen Latifah did, now that I'm thinking about it. And I remember for weeks afterwards, um, my manager, like, thought I was in rehab. <sighs> and I was just watching Veronica Mars at home. Mm. Cinematic taste, parallels. Taste. Uh, I worked at the Macy's in... Um, Milwaukee, which also Macy's and Bloomingdale's are basically the same store. Well, they're parent company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Sisters. It's, yes, it's always wild when you go to like the Beverly Center here. It's like it's a Macy's here, Bloomingdale's here. I'm like, be one store. Yeah. Um, I worked in Milwaukee. It was so I moved here in 2011. There was a brief period where, right when I moved here, I went broke, and then I went home for like three, four months. And I worked at the Macy's. Uh, shoot apartment there and I like just itching to get back to LA I'm like what am I doing here and basically every day to keep myself sane I just told lies what <laughs> Just what fantastic way? lies to like my coworkers. Ah, there. what kind of lies I yeah. think I told them I was engaged love ooh that's good I was like mm, you know just gotta get back to LA you know because I'm like my fiance, he's there. <laughs> what uh, did your fiance do in this scenario? Uh, he worked in the music industry. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I love, do you have any other poignant memories of working in a department store, either of you? I, well, so. Were you good employees? Did you, did you work on commission? Yes. So, like, the, like the older people at the department store, I mean, it makes sense because capitalism, mm-hmm. right, uh, who work on commission, like, they are. Ruthless. Cutthroat. Yeah. <laughs> they will. They, cutthroat. they will if they see you kill talking to you. A, a commercial. <laughs> if they see you talking to a customer that they like made even brief eye contact when they walked in the store, they will be up next to you. Like that's my customer, Ira. I'm like, all right, girl, get your commission. It's also such a the the I think the scammiest thing about working in a department store is signing people up for credit cards. Yes. Oh my god. Okay, I used to work in American Apparel, RIP, um, at the flagship in New York, and we also worked on commission, and they would have a whiteboard with everybody's, like, commission sales mm-hmm. on it and, like, arrange people and rank them. So you that was the first thing you saw when you, like, ch- clocked into work every day. It it's also wild. evil because oh, yeah. 
for us, like, I think most people have figured it out, but you can return anything to a department store. And the thing about Macy's was it used to be um, Marshall's. Um, And so you could return things that, like, you would bought at Marshall's in like the nineties. You could return anything. That's the policy. I could Macy's. take my yeah. bra off yes. right now and return it at a Macy's yeah. anywhere in the country. They take, re- it. they take anything. And so the thing is you work on commission in Milwaukee, like it snows there. The thing that people would do would they would go and buy shoes for like the holidays or like New Year's or whatever and then return them at the beginning of the year. So like the money that you make on commission, when someone returns it that money comes back it gets from you. Docked. Yanked. It gets yanked from you. So like you could have a good ass Christmas and then in January when someone returns shit, like you have a bad new it, year. It fucks what? up your check. Yeah. I didn't know that. I mean, I was so it's evil. Yeah, I had moments where I would see a person that I had helped walk back in the store like a week later and just be crushed. Yeah. Cause I knew. Yeah. I never noticed. I was laser. I only worked in American Apparel for two months, but I was laser focused on being like sop, top salesperson because at the flagship American Apparel, the target demographics were like trust fund babies, their moms, gay guys, and then like girls looking for Halloween costumes or girls looking for like outfits for their birthday. And mm-hmm. I am like the perfect person to sell clothes to all of those people. <laughs> you know what I mean? You are. Um, Ira, what was your um, sales style? Like, how did you get people to Ooh. buy things? This is a good problem. Oh, it would just sort of, like, you have to lead into the gay. You'd be like, oh, yeah. girl, that looks so good. <laughs> like, come on, give me a little walk. That would work on me. Yeah. Actually, yeah. no, I don't know. Because when I go into a store, I don't want anyone to talk to me. Oh, yeah. Yes. I'm like well, that that's too. the problem, too. It's like, the was being on that side, but knowing when I walk into a store, it's like, leave me alone. Yeah. I will ask you for help if I need it. Mm-hmm. If but... I need a size, great. Give me this. I like it. You walk in, like the Bloomingdale's here. Like, you walk in, it's always like, you're looking at one shirt. Can I start a room for you? Baby, no, you cannot. Oh, my God. I- oh, my God. Okay, I, my technique at doing sales was I would walk up and I, w- I would say, uh, and if you need anything else, my name is Francisco, like San Francisco. Because they need to, like, remember your name at the register. Yeah, you got to give them, you got to have a gimmick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was always my thing, which is an insane thing to say to the per- a person. They would always be like, and you just but that it would they would always remember my name but i used to i picked up at least two if not three different guys while working at american apparel american and, apparel was very cruisy oh yeah cruisy the and yeah. they're all it was the bathhouse yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah people were just doing poppers <laughs> gay idiots and gay shoplifters and like that was it oh the shoplifting tea was oh yeah insane i had friend i had a friend who worked at american apparel like right after college and had figured out how to make it so that just when they rang people up, it was, like, zeroed out. <gasps> so they would have their friends come in and ring them up at the register, and they would just leave with bags of clothes. We would do that, too. Or in backstock, we would, like, stuff our bags or whatever. Mm. Um, I yeah. used to steal from a Banana Republic. In, <laughs> and like, in, like, college, the Banana Republic game was it. Oh, and, yeah. a, and early H&M. They early deserve H- it. Early H&M was the easiest to steal from. Oh, yeah. It this has is, become It has become so much harder to steal. But I've noticed on TikTok now, there's some people who make, um, like, shoplifting hack videos about <laughs> no! where you can get of away with it. And, and you know what I you know what I love about shoplifting is people really think that they are, like, 
Carmen Sandiego level <laughs> spy yeah. Oh, yeah. getting away with it. No one knows when they're walking around Target stealing things. Like, baby girl, they know. Yeah. Yes. The, they just don't the, care. The jig is up. They know that you are taking that, like, Hanes underwear, like, whatever. <laughs> the only people who know, the only people who care are loss prevention. I don't care. I no. see you stealing something. Have a good day. I'm not chasing you out the store of this gap. I did used to work at a gap at a Banana Republic. Wow. Yeah. Stole the most. I used from to Banana work Republic. at a Banana Republic also my my senior year of high school, like very briefly. Mm, I worked so I worked at Gap in co- undergrad and during the red campaign, by the way. Oh no. And um very, wow. very, very a dramatic. moment, very dramatic. A moment a big in culture. Moment. Um at the Michigan Avenue Chicago one. So like I it was so sad that I started the day after. Like they I got the job and then they scheduled my first day for the day after Oprah like came to the store and no. did the red campaign on TV. Like, Fuck you got. Um but then I went to Banana Republic. Uh and Banana Republic was the job that I used to transfer to when I moved to New York. I worked mm. at the Rockefeller Center Banana Republic. I think I worked like Eight shifts. One day I just stopped coming in. <laughs> That's how you have to do it in retail yes. because, like, we're in Quitting when you're working in retail, everyone's interchangeable. Yeah. Like, they will forget about you immediately. I'm I'm a really bad retail employee. I do not know how to sell to people. I don't care if they buy anything. I'm just there trying to, you know, like get my money. The best job was honestly being at the cash register. Yeah, Because you could yeah. turn off your brain yeah. and you were scanning people. Don't put me on the sales floor. No. Also, I have to say, in, in Bloomingdale's, the music that they played was hitting. I don't know who was making those playlists, <laughs> but I heard I, it put me on to a lot of things, but like before they came out. So, I mean, thank you to whoever. I constantly was heard the music. Is It Any Wonder by Keen. It was constantly. <laughs> oh my God, playing. I loved a Keen. Uh, a Keen was it. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning, is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine, And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. 
and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. On Purpose's mission is to create impactful conversations to help you become happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. You'll be laughing, crying, and have so many impactful takeaways after this interview. I had this, like, you know, homie lover friend for a long time. He's very disrespectful to me, very kind of messed up to me. But in my mind, we could get married. We had the most beautiful babies. He handsome. I'm pretty. Like, it would be so cool. He's smart and intellectual. I'm kind of smart, I think. Like, it would be fun. We have the best conversations. Like, we have fun. But then he would treat me like crap. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Hey there, I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything. A moment that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these very moments. The last couple of years has been the hardest season of our marriage, for sure. I'm surprised our marriage survived it. I think we both are. I think we both were barely holding on. Mm. Nothing compares to how hard this is. Their stories are full of candor, awe, and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. True behavior change is really identity change. Every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. Listen to A Slight Change of Plans on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so this is taking us back to sort of, you know, like the the moment, I guess, that last holiday was released in, you know, like early, mid-aughts culture. 2006, um, question mark? Yeah, 2006. Um, Queen Latifah was, I think, hot off the heels of Chicago. Yeah, and she had mm-hmm. done Taxi, Beauty Shop, like she was in a lot of these. And this was really her first rom-com role because she had always been, you know, she was matron mama morton in chicago and mm. she kind of always did like buddy comedy movies and taxi. this was taxi yeah. <laughs> um which i used to own on dvd bringing down the house mm. but this was her first leading lady rom-com role and unfortunately it was a flop yeah it's sad that this movie flopped because it's so good it's so good holds up i think it's really funny she's so charismatic she carried mm. like the, the the plot of it in and of itself is like obviously very predictable but she carries well it's also it. based on it's a remake right. of, of like a 1950s mm-hmm. you know movie or whatever but she's like so charismatic and she like carries the and there's i mean they're had never been really a rom-com with someone like her as like, you know, the romantic lead. You know what I mean? I think I'm thinking a lot about, um, do you remember when like Rebel Wilson was like, uh, she was like, I try not to remember her. <laughs> I also, I also try not to remember oh, yeah, her because have I have personal beef but with Rebel Wilson. Back, back what did she do to you? Well, first of all, background was like, Rebel Wilson was all like, 
Uh, I'm the first um, plus size person to be in a romantic lead, blah, blah, blah. And everyone was like, um, Queen Latifah is right there. Ricky Lake is right there. I don't know Shut if that was a really good rebel. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that was a great rebel Wilson because she's Australian. Oh, is she really? I yeah. actually had no idea. Yeah. Well, she's my nemesis. <laughs> Wait, tell us why. Tell us why. Okay, so I was in, when I was still a journalist, I was in London for mm-hmm. the Cats junket. Ugh. And... You know, for that movie, everyone had to be, like, pre-approved by the talent's teams Mm -hmm. for you to be interviewing them. Um, The night before, I was in my hotel in London. I was on Grindr. And someone hit me up and and said, like, you look like Rebel Wilson. And I said, oh, that's funny. Which I was like, I didn't know if it was a compliment or not. I think she's pretty. Um, But I thought it was funny because I was interviewing her the next day. So I took a screenshot of it and tweeted it and said, like, LOL, this is, you know, funny because I'm interviewing her tomorrow. I showed up uh, to check in, and the PR girl who was leading the junket was like, um, just so you know, you won't be interviewing Rebel anymore. <gasps> and and I was like, oh, can you tell me why? And she said, okay, I'll get back to you. And hours later they said, yeah, um, apparently her publicist just, like, you know, said that they changed their minds about having you interview her. And I did, I do think that her publicist was, you know, like trolling, like, or like looked up all the journalists to make sure no one was going to, you know, like catch her out with a question or whatever. You know what? I'm sure like the interview would have been bad anyway, but that is my beef. What does she have to say? Not truly. And also like, because I think the problem was because when I tweeted it, I said, wouldn't it be funny if I brought this up during the interview? Mm. And I wasn't going to, yeah. but also that would have been funny. And, and those junket so benign, interviews, like, those junket interviews are junket. so uh, the worst. awful. And when I, when I did them, I always tried to like make them at least a little fun. Mm-hmm. And when you have a good, like good talent, they respond to it. Mm-hmm. For and those of you that don't know what a junket is, it's basically like when they corral dozens of journalists, many of them from like C-list and D-list, like, you know, media publications, and each mm-hmm. of them gets two to four minutes to interview celebrities in this like death carousel of like interviews um, for whatever movie it is. That and they get providing. asked the same thing over all time. Every time. At least you get a little glam, though, sometimes, because you're on camera for these junkets. Yeah, but sometimes it can go wrong, because yeah. sometimes they have, like, one person doing hair and makeup, Oof. and... Mess. It, it can be rough. I hate the junkets. It's, it's always all, a It's always girl. at some, like, weird hotel. It's like, yeah. I, don't, I don't love doing it. I tried to make them fun, and I think that's why, like, some of the, some of the interviews I've done have, like, gotten, like, good response, and... I think if I had been able to interview Rebel Wilson, we would have had a great time. A mm-hmm. great time. Because for also sure. I looked, I like watched some of the interviews she did afterwards and I feel like she was the one who was bringing up like isn't it so weird that like my ca- my cat character is naked and you can't see my vagina like whatever like Yeah. Um but yeah, I mean back to the 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 main part of the discussion. I mean Queen Latifah, I feel like I mean, Ira, like, what's your relationship to, like, the, the cultural relevance of Queen Latifah, Queen Latifah, either at that time or now? Or, like, to me, like, I feel like her charisma really carries what could have been, like, a very mediocre movie, right? Like, yeah. if you had put anybody else in that role, it really would not have been an engaging watch. But she's so delightful to watch. And actually, like, Roger Ebert and other critics of the time kind of said similar things, even if they, you know, were kind of shady about the film. 
Uh, I've loved her since Living Single, you know? So, That's like, nice. I grew up on Miss Latifah, and um, it was, it was, that was a good era for her. I mean, her career's always been so interesting. Yeah. I think because of that, she was a black celebrity, and so it was sort of like she had this relevance, and also from, like, her hip-hop career that was before, uh, which she didn't really do much of that anymore. <laughs> no, uh, not really. It was just sort of, she's just always a person you know is, like, a celebrity, this Queen Latifah, you yeah. know? Like, she is a... Uh, a staple. Uh, and it was nice seeing her get to do this, but didn't really work out. You know, yeah. like you think about this, you think about just right. Yeah. The what one is where just she's right? like, rom- she's romancing common. I'm Googling now. <laughs> she is Not a, common. she is a physical therapist who loves basketball <laughs> and <laughs> common like has an injury and uh, she's working as his physical therapist, but her sister is into Common, and the sister's, like, going on dates with Common, but they have, and I think the sister may be Paula Patton, uh, and they have, but they start to fall for each other. That seems inappropriate. That seems like a professional boundary. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Hello. Maybe, like, the, the, the beginning of a medical malpractice. <laughs> yeah, for um, sure. Immediately sued. But, I mean, I think, like, is... I wonder if that movie was successful when Last Holiday wasn't, and I wonder if maybe, like, you know, because... Queen I don't Latifah. think it was. Queen Latifah is queer? Question mm-hmm. mark? And like, she's acknowledged it. She's acknowledged her partner. Okay. Recently. And so maybe like there was some dissonance with her being like a mm-hmm. straight romantic lead in these uh, rom coms. Yeah. But the film but, debuted at number four behind uh, Iron Man 2, Robin Hood, and Letters to Juliet. Oh, the fuck wow. was Letters to Juliet? I am going to Google right the now. The film stayed in theaters 47 days. Oh, wow. But the, it made its budget. Amanda Seyfried. But budget. you know what? Like, she put, she put butts in the seats. Because she did. She did. when we talk about Last Holiday, it was Queen Latifah in Last Holiday. It was her show. It could not have been anyone else. No. She was the moment. She had the charisma. She, that movie was... I'm sure, written for her specifically. Mm-hmm. And she slayed. Something that I only realized retroactively as well is that... She slayed. Haha, <laughs> get it? <laughs> on a slay. Um, Chloe and Halle Bailey made their acting debut in this movie. They play, like, five-year-olds in this mm-hmm. movie. I had no idea. I only saw, like, after I read the IMDb um, for Last Holiday. You know what? The one that was, I think, successful what was uh, before that was um, Beauty Shot. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that was massive. And that was um, Steel Magnolias, right? It was supposed to, like, be a quote-unquote adaptation of Steel Magnolias or something like that. I don't know, but I love that. Um, yeah. I should see. It was just Sisters in the Barbershop. A okay. spinoff of Barbershop. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think that, I mean, I don't know which, like, Rose and I watched this movie um, last holiday. <laughs> um, and it was, like... Uh, for me, like such a, um, it was such an like a, an an example of like what it means to like enjoy your life. And obviously, like I don't think the film was trying to make this commentary, but it was very like, you know, fuck the man, fuck your nine to five, fuck like you know our broken healthcare system. Because like, well, it's also very of its time. It's pre Obama, pre recession, pre recession. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm gonna blow it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think in the movie, she like. She could her health insurance doesn't cover the procedure she needs or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. She goes to see that woman and the woman tells her it would be like a crazy amount of money to get the surgery. But also I feel like 
is that how much money she spends going on yeah. this holiday? Yeah. She's <laughs> like, I'm just going to die. <laughs> yeah. and, um, Which is a serve. It's, 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 I feel like movies of this ilk always lead into that, though, that like, capitalism is awful, like, the mm-hmm. man is bad, like, bosses are mean workers, yeah. and then it never translates. But no. again, so never. To the real world. No, they're like, <laughs> the, capitalism's bad, let me go spend all this money and buy all these things that will make me happy before I die. <laughs> but they do make her happy. They would make me happy. Well, but the moral that she learns at the end is that it's act- she's actually not happy being all right. alone in this place that she's mm-hmm. dreamed of all her life. Right. She wants to go back and be with the people who love her, but by that point, LL Cool J has flown to Prague to see right. her. To see her, and there he finds out she's and dying, and, and he's love. like, "I love you." And it's Cause, very romantic because because the nosy neighbor, oh, uh, yeah. shows him her possibilities book, and she he's in it. Which also she's giving is stalker. stalker. <laughs> Bring it all back. It's really creepy. She's cut out his picture and her. She's cut out their faces and. Put them on a wedding photo, which... Oh, my God. Yeah. Wait, I didn't even think about that. I don't know if I saw that. Well, I probably would be flattered if and I saw the, yeah. that. I would be, too. But I, anybody else would be like, what the fuck? But also, um, uh, at the end of the movie, doesn't she... She Doesn't the the, C, the boss or the CEO or whatever... Like, wants is, to jump yes, off, he's, a, off a ledge. And, <laughs> and, like, she tells him, like, life's worth living for. Yeah, yeah. meaning, so meaning of Christmas or something. Wait, doesn't he want to jump because he's, like... So destroyed by the fact that a woman like Queen Latifah could have a better life than him, or something like yeah. that. Like that's kind and of his, why he decides to commit suicide. Yeah, and also his assistant, who is his mistress, has mm-hmm. left him. Right, right, yes. right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Queen, feeble empowerment, Queen Latifah's like, girl, you're better than him. That's right. And you she could was do this right. job. You could do his job. Why are you sleeping with him and being the mistress? And honestly, wow. they should have gotten together. That's yeah. how the movie should have ended: is Queen Latifah and the redheaded assistant. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning, is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine, And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. On Purpose's mission is to create impactful conversations to help you become happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. 
You'll be laughing, crying, and have so many impactful takeaways after this interview. I had this, like, you know, homie lover friend for a long time. He's very disrespectful to me, very kind of messed up to me. But in my mind, we could get married. We had the most beautiful babies. He handsome. I'm pretty. Like, it would be so cool. He's smart and intellectual. I'm kind of smart, I think. Like, it would be fun. We have the best conversations. Like, we have fun. But then he would treat me like crap. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hey there, I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything. A moment that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these very moments. The last couple of years has been the hardest season of our marriage for sure. I'm surprised our marriage survived it. I think we both are. I think we both were barely holding on. Mm. Nothing compares to how hard this is. Their stories are full of candor, awe, and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. True behavior change is really identity change. Every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. Listen to A Slight Change of Plans on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I do appreciate that, like, even though it is a rom-com, I do feel like when I watched this movie, it was predominantly spent on, like, Queen Latifah just, like, vibing. You know, just, like, enjoying her life. The makeover montage? Yes. A makeover montage for all makeover montages. What are some of your favorite makeover montages in... Mm. Oh, gosh. Definitely Clueless. Mm. Mm -hmm. Obviously Princess Diaries. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, Devil Wears Prada. Yes. Uh, that is that is. Yes. I mean, pinnacle. that is the iconic one. And yeah. Then, and then you get. It's then set you get to the, Vogue. Yeah, set to Vogue. And then it end, <coughs> Then it ends with you know the, are those the the Chanel boots? Yeah. <laughs> Which I think we as a community <laughs> as a community need to let that. It needs to go. Sunset. It needs to die. It's gotta go. That along with like high gay or like whatever. No, is I the think most high gay is like recent enough that it's still funny and there's more permutations of it to be done. It's been a very long time. It's it's been it's when did Christmas it, it was, and it will but, only but happen during do, Pride. Right, but people do the like. Are you the? 
eighth grade report card that I had my mom's basement. Yeah. It's like, all right. <laughs> it's too specific. <laughs> like, everyone makes it into a new so thing online. I'm like, let it go. I actually, as much as I love that movie, Devil Wars Prada Discourse could leave the internet. Oh, forever. my God. Well, well, the real villain of the yeah. Devil Wars oh, my Prada shut is... Up. The real villain of the Devil Wars Prada is the friends we made along the way. I or, think like, I tweeted once in my heyday. Uh, I think it tweeted that uh, the real villain in the Devil Wears Prada is all of you who won't shut up about this movie. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> I mean, Devil Wears Prada is, can we categorize as a rom-com also? I guess technically. Maybe it's a workplace comedy and it's, then a rom-com. It's a workplace comedy. But, mm-hmm. you know, in the pantheon of rom-coms, you know, as we're talking about Last Holiday, what are some of your favorites? Yeah. Mm. Yes, what are the best rom-coms? One of mine is Last Holiday. <laughs> we were just talking about how those are, that's like literally Rose and Mai's favorite um, Christmas movie to watch. No, The Holiday? The, the holiday. holiday. Sorry, sorry. We're the talking holiday. about Last Holiday. Last Holiday, The <laughs> Holiday. Pretty Woman, mm. of course. Pre- save. Pretty Woman is is really iconic. And uh, and like, it's a, it's a rom-com about a sex worker, which yeah. I think is like, Pretty fucking cool. My Not best friend's a, wedding. Yeah. Oh my my best friend's wedding is it. Is it? Is uh, Julia Roberts does a rom com. Okay. America's Sweethearts. Not one of my favorites. I like but it. it's yeah. it's good. But yeah, my best friend's wedding is the moment. Cameron Diaz's performance in that is incredible. Yes. Mm. The scene in the bathroom alone. <gasps> I've never seen that. I would have killed her if that yes. if I was getting married and that was going on. I would have said, "Julie Roberts, you're dead." <laughs> You've never seen it. Wait, this is my best friend's wedding. Or? Yeah. Oh, I have seen my best okay. friend's wedding, and I remember empathizing with the diabolical nature of trying to break up this marriage. I also love the way it ends because it ends with her not winning. Yeah. And her being alone at the wedding, and her gay best friend comes and is like, "Yeah." This sucks, but, like, we have each oh, other. Wait, who plays the gay best friend again? Is it Rupert Everett? Ru- it's Rupert uh, Everett, yeah. yeah. Also, is- it opens up with, like, the the musical number. Wishing, hoping, and living, and yeah. thinking, that and is, That is cinema, okay? Absolutely. That is That is a good time at the movies. Marty Scorsese agrees. <laughs> that is what we need back in film, okay? <sighs> Oh, God. I think my ultimate rom-com, obviously, is going to be Moonstruck. I mean, I have it, like, tattooed on my leg. I guess that is, it is a rom-com, technically. Yeah, it is. It's like a prestige rom-com. Is it, I mean, is it well, prestige? Well, it, it won it Oscars. Rom- yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to be like, is it a romantic, because there's always the romantic dramas, but it is a romantic comedy. It's yeah. comedy. Yeah. Yeah. It's intentionally comedic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do, I do love a rom-com. Mm-hmm. And I think this era that Last Holiday came out in, was kind of the golden age of rom-coms yeah, in a way. They were really cranking them out because this was when J-Lo was making all of her rom-coms. Mm-hmm. Kate Hudson. You know, the girls were working. They were booked and busy turning these out a couple times a year. I love a teen rom-com too. You know, like um, Get Over It. Never seen it. It's a classic. Uh, and then... Um, well. The, the other two I love like feel more like Devil's Wars Prada. They're probably workplace comedy. It's like, mm. Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead has mm. rom-com elements, but yeah. I think it's a workplace co- or a family comedy? Yeah, maybe. How would you classify that movie? I don't even know. These like, categorizations are... Yeah, it's kind of are... a family comedy. Yeah. Uh, there's hijinks. There's hijinks, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Working Girl, but seems more like workplace. Yeah. Um, just like Devil. But um, 
I don't know. I like Devil. Those, I love know. that we've shortened it. Devil. <laughs> uh, I was on the plane the other day watching Devil. And then people think you're talking about the M. Night Shyamalan movie. Oh, oh that was a horrible movie. <laughs> it just takes place on an elevator. Yes, it did. The whole movie takes place on an elevator. Yeah. Which is probably where I will die on an elevator. Really? Mm. Yeah, on the Tower of Terror. On the Tower of Terror? So you would die going up or you would die in the actual ride itself? Well, now it's Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, it changed? Mm-hmm. In L.A., but in yeah. Florida, oh, it's still Tower of okay. Terror. For, like, lawsuit reasons? because No, because died. they just wanted to add a Marvel ride. Oh, yeah. I Come see. Come on I now. <laughs> but Tower People of Terror People have died on the Tower iconic. of Terror. Yeah. Also, have you seen the Tower of Terror movie starring Kirsten Dunst? No. What? It was a Disney Channel original movie about Tower of Terror. I think it came oh, wait, out maybe after the ride, like, as a way to promote it. I feel like I've seen every Disney Channel original movie. Every DCOM? Yes. DCOM. Uh, you know, the, I mean, that the, the girls were working. <laughs> the <Yeah>. girls were <laughs> working. <laughs> our specific age. If you, were wa- if you were watching Disney Channel as, like, a, like middle school, high school... You were like Friday. If you oh, were yeah. good, if you wonderful were our, world of Disney. If you, were, <laughs> if you were our Lord and Savior, Christy Carlson Romano, newly minted gay icon who also probably voted for Trump. Probably. Um Oh wait, I have seen this. Wow. Steve Gutenberg. Steve Gutenberg, yes. Yes. Nineteen ninety seven. This is wild. If your life was a rom com, what would the premise be? Love. I I mean I know myself uh, and my Leo behavior. Uh, my rom com would be the one where like, oh you're like, you're you're like in a high powered job and like you're you're sort of mean and like you 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 yell at people and then um some like some person who like comes across your path um helps you find love. Love that I know exactly what you're talking. Yeah, about. Well, you know, or like you know, I also think I would be very much like intolerable cruelty, like mm-hmm. me and my like. I could see myself in a rom-com where it's someone helps me find love or it's the reverse ones where it's like you are falling out of love and you're feuding with your partner and then you get back together at the end. Right, right, right. You know, a little Adam's rib moment. Love that. Mine would also be a workplace comedy of some, a workplace rom-com of some kind, but it would definitely be more of like a Ugly Betty scenario where I am like, you know, executive assistant, like can't fend for myself, really like, you know, just like kind of bottom of the barrel person in the environment. And then it would definitely be a makeover montage to like win the guy or something like that. I don't know. Maybe my boss, maybe it'd be a little risque. Like there's an element of like, you know, uh, forbiddenness to our relationship. Ooh, but I'm pretty sure. Pretty woman love, meets the assistant. Love that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry, and, pretty woman meets the intern. Yeah. The mm. intern. Yeah, yeah. 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 And my rom-com would just be, she's the man starring Amanda Bynes. No, okay. not that. <laughs> that movie is iconic. Mm, Remains in like the non-binary pantheon. It's like truly a trans narrative. Honestly. I mean, my rom-com would definitely be like derivative of a, a Shakespeare play, as mm. I think you know, like th- some of the best rom-coms we have are based on classic literature. That's our plays. era. That's our era. They were. They were. The studios were like, "Who's this? This Shakespeare? Can we make <laughs> <laughs> mm, another Romeo and Juliet? Let." Yeah, I wanted uh, I want to do a rom com based on the Tempest. <clears throat> that would be amazing. Yeah, Get Over It is um, Midsummer Night's Dream, by the way. 
No way. It's okay. like Ben Midsummer. Foster, Kirsten Dunst, and they are doing a production of Midsummer Night's Dream. I in love the a movie. play within really? a play. Yeah, you you got you got to see this movie. It opens up with him him being dumped and um, vitamin C and the rest of the town like show up behind him and sing. Uh, Captain and Tennille's love will bring <gasps> us together. Oh my God. <laughs> I love that. So as we talk about rom coms, I think rom coms were the way that a lot of us like learned what we thought relationships were like but mm-hmm. what i'm interested in is things that we found like sexy as kids or like that we thought were the, the models of what sexuality were like and so i'm really interested in like through media what your first experience of something you thought was kind of sexy or like erotic was so i'll give my example which is the Flintstones movie. No. I, Which one? Viva Rock Vegas? No, the, the original. <laughs> okay. So, ha- for some reason, I, Halle Berry and Kyle MacLachlan had, so hot to me, movie. this, like, insane electric sexual chemistry. And I remember as a child being like, this is hot. And this is how, like, adults are sexy with each other. Oh, yeah. Mm. Is there, like, scheming and, like... Um, barefoot. <laughs> I love a scheme. Yeah, I love a scheme. Elizabeth Taylor was in this movie. Yes, rom coms. I feel like made me feel like every romance you pursue needs to have obstacles. Yeah, you can't just beat somebody and start dating them. It's you have to overcome them having another boyfriend, right. or it's like you are across the globe from each other, or someone's scheming to keep you apart. It's like you you get turned on by obstacles. Unless, of course, as we've discussed on this podcast before, it is Twilight, and there is no plot in the movie at all, and there's no stakes to their relationship in any way. Yeah, and you're just in love, and one of you's a vampire. Yeah. Ira, what was your, like, media sexual awakening? Hmm. Think about that. I mean, the, it's so based, because I love horror movies, but, you know, like, Nightmare on Elm Street, you oh, know? Yeah. And it's it's not just, like, two, like, the actual homoerotic one. It's just, like, when you, the, I feel like those movies gave you, like, a hot guy, like a Johnny Depp or something. In a crop being, top. Yes, in a crop top, being stalked by the killer. Yeah. It's hot. Uh, back to stalking. Yeah, back to stalking. Honestly, this whole podcast is rounding to a point, which is that stalking is hot and should be more socially uh, acceptable. If you would like to stalk any of us, I'm a, uh, here are our addresses. <laughs> yeah, social security numbers. Here's uh, my preferred coffee shop. Um, my address actually, is 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. <laughs> we did it, Joe. <laughs> oh, my God. Well... I mean, that could die, too. That, that also could die. I was with someone the other day who, like, earnestly was like, we did it, Joe. And, like, not even, like, making a joke out of it. And I was like, are we still doing that? It's been a year, girl. <laughs> also, what did you do? Yeah, what did you yeah. do? Um, do you have um, a wish for the holiday, like, a holiday message to share with everyone? <sighs> I do. You know, um... Be kind to one another. <laughs> be kind. And most importantly, be kind to yourself. Spend that money on yourself. That's right. Go buy a book. Uh, buy a trip to Prague. Everyone should do their version of, like, last holiday. Like, remember yes. when everyone used to say treat yourself? Everyone should, like, last holiday themselves. Oh, my everyone God. Everyone should cash their 401ks. <laughs> did, did Queen Latifah invent self-care? Yes. Maybe. Maybe. Whatever you're, like, if you're saving for something... Look at the world around you. Yeah. Okay? Look at it burning. Yeah. And take that thing you're saving for 
And go do something fun. Just believe yeah. it. Believe go, in your possibilities. Yes, mm-hmm. go to your sense, your essence cart and and buy the tabby yeah. boots. <laughs> yes. We will be back next week to have a discussion about, you know, the birth of Jesus Christ, the war on Christmas. We'll be talking about the eternal tension between religious Christmas and uh, capitalist Christmas. So before next week, you should all crack open your Bibles, um, turn turn to the book of... uh, No, I'm just kidding. Um, You can, however, call us to confess and let us know what is the thing that in pop culture that you would just force all of your friends to watch, that you need them to watch in order for them to understand who you are as a person. Watch or read or, you know, listen to or experience in some way. Cultural phenomenon. You can call 323-PENANCE. That's 323-736-2623. You can tweet us your takes on this week's episode. Tell us what you really think about Queen Latifah's red dress. Let me tell you. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, especially if it's a positive review. It can be a little shady, but, like, give us five stars. Thank you. I'm your co-host, Fran Torado. You can find me at Francisco on all social media and Substack. And I'm Rose Domu. You can find me at Rose Domu on Instagram, Twitter, and now TikTok. <laughs> That's right. You can subscribe to Like a Virgin wherever you listen to podcasts. This is an iHeartRadio production. Our producer is Phoebe Unter, with support from Lindsay Hoffman, Julian Weller, Jess Krainchich, and Nikki Etor. Until next week, see you later, virgins. Christmas isn't canceled, but this episode of this podcast is. Should we hold hands and sing Dabu Dore? The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. 
Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers.